Our Heavenly Father, we bow before You here at this special time of year, this special season, and what it represents and signifies to us as believers. The birth of a Savior. And Father, we thank You for that. We just want to stop and just praise You and to thank You for the wonderful gift that You have given to the world and to us. And Father, we want to just come before You this morning as we sing our praises, as we look at the Word, as we just pray together, Father, all just to say thank You. So ask now, Lord, that You would go with us, uh, guide us through the study of Your Word, and may You be honored in everything that is done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't you all be seated? <clears throat> Father, being seated, let me put in a plug for tomorrow night. Um, please come back for our, th- our, our Christmas Eve service. Uh, we've got a lot of special music happening. We're going to do communion, candlelight service. So it'll be at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. So come and be with us for that, okay? You know, there's a, in the world in which we live in today, there's a lot of talk about world peace, um, you hear people talking about what is it going to take to bring peace into the world and uh, stop all the fighting and the dissension and the division in the world. Different cultures have different ideas. Different religions have their own ideas. There seems like every organization has their own philosophy about how in the world that we as human beings living in this world today are going to bring about peace among nations and among uh, between individuals in our world. Uh, some of the more popular theories on how to do it are as follows. And some of these you'll be familiar with, others you won't. Um, I believe that there's all, always um, some truth or element of truth to all of these. Some of it uh, will work, some of it won't, some of it has been tried, some of it has failed. And, but here are the, some of the more popular beliefs among people today as to what it's going to take to bring peace in the world. For example, some people believe that you acquire peace through strength, that then a nation has to be strong in order for there to be peace and uh, in order to prevent people from attacking it. And if everybody is strong, then there'll be peace in the world. There's some truth to that. Other people believe that a democratic form of government would bring peace to the world. If all the nations were democracies, instead of being ruled and governed by um, tyrants and uh dictators, then there would be peace in the world because people who are ruling and guiding and controlling themselves don't generally want to fight. It's usually some egotistical maniac that causes war, so there's some truth to that. Some people believe there would be peace in the world if there were all the countries were, were based on capitalism, and capitalism and free markets and rather than the economies being controlled and in suppressed by somebody in government, and again, there's some truth to that as well. Mutual assured destruction is one idea. That'll bring peace. Um, We heard a lot about this when Reagan was president, and again, there's some truth to it because if everybody is assured that if you launch a missile, it's going to be the end of not only the country you're shooting at, but they're going to shoot back at you, so we'll all behave ourselves, and there's some truth to that. Others believe that if the world can police itself through the United Nations or a European Union, something of that effect, some group that's worldwide could police everybody, that would bring about peace in the world. And again, some truth. Economic equality. Wars begin because people want something they don't have. So if everybody was the same economically, then we'd have peace in the world that way. Then you've got all the religions, the different religions that think that they have the answer to the problem. 
Um, some people are for religion, some are against religion. And in the middle of all that, you have the Christmas story. You have Christians who believe that Jesus came into the world to bring peace to the world. That's what it says in the Bible, that he came to bring peace to the world and that he's the answer. And that um, that is the key to having peace in the world, the message of Christmas after all. But did he really? In Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, we turn to this a lot of times whenever we're trying to support the idea that the message of Christmas is all about world peace. And we'll read it, and it goes like this. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There you go. God sent his son into the world as the Prince of Peace, and if the world wants to have peace, then he's the answer to that. After all, the angels said the same thing. When they met the shepherds out in their fields by night, the Bible tells us, they, they proclaimed, the angels did to the shepherds, peace on earth and goodwill toward, toward men. There you go. Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. So we as Christians conclude then that the answer to the problem in the world is Jesus. And, you know, there's some element of truth to that. We'll talk about that in a minute. But let me ask you this question. If peace on earth was his goal, if peace on earth is the message of Christmas, then to some degree we've got to admit that God failed. Because there's not peace on earth. It's been 2,000 years since he came, so what is the problem? Actually, it seems like Christmas and the message of Christ causes more division than it does peace. Just a few years ago, here on the courthouse here in Athens, we had a battle over the nativity scene. The atheistic group from somewhere outside the city wanted us to take down this nativity scene. All of, of Athens and Henderson County rallied around that, and we all came out to express our displeasure with that and our objection to that. And I heard somewhere that it's finally made it through the court system and got shot down. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but that's what I heard. Our president has to go on TV and proclaim Merry Christmas because nobody says that anymore. And what they really want to say is Happy Holidays. Let's just take Christmas out of the holiday completely and remove it from that because, after all, um, Christianity is not the reason for it anyway, they say. But in reality, it is. It seems like Christmas and the message of Christ causes more division than it does peace. And some have concluded, and erroneously so, I believe, but some have concluded that if we did away with religion completely, then the problem would be solved. If you can do away with with religion, and religion throughout history seems to have been the problem with world peace, then we would solve the problem. And just simply by doing that, we would have peace among men and peace among nations and so forth because a lot of the reason for fighting would be done away with. But then some carry it even further, and they don't say that it's religion per se, it's Christianity. And that it's really not a religion problem, it's a Christianity problem. And so if we can do away with Christianity, there would be more peace in the world. And you know what? There's some truth to that. 
God never promised, nor did God ever expect, there would be world peace. That wasn't the reason he sent Jesus Christ. That's not the message of Christmas. God told the disciples, or or Jesus told the disciples, that in this life you're going to have trouble. He said they're going to hunt you down, they're going to beat you, they're going to torture you, they're going to kill you. He said that in this world there's going to be wars and there's going to be rumors of wars and nations are going to rise against nations. There's not going to be peace in this world, not before I come back again. Since the birth of Christ, now just listen to this, since the birth of Christ, there have been more atrocities and wars and killing and disruption in the world than probably ever before. Let's just think about this for a moment. When the uh, wise men came to uh, Bethlehem or, or Jerusalem looking for Christ, the Messiah, they went and King Herod heard about it, that they were looking for a new king. And after they leave, Herod sends out a decree and he tells his soldiers to go through Bethlehem and all of the surrounding area and kill any male child two years old or younger. What an atrocity. And why did it happen? Because of the birth of Christ. The Romans conquered all of the known world and subjected people to slavery and torture and atrocities and and so forth. And it wasn't long after Jesus finally was crucified and resurrected, it wasn't long before they swept into Jerusalem and destroyed all of Israel. And it's been that way until finally Israel regained their nation again, or their nation status in 1948. Since Christ, there have been holy wars throughout the world. The Crusades themselves were just holy wars, fighting over religion. The Spanish Inquisition under that horrible period of time when anybody that objected to the Catholic Church was killed and tortured. The Holocaust in the 40s, as Hitler romped through all of Europe and decided that the problem with the world was the Jewish nations and or the people, and he began to exterminate them. And statistics tell us six million of them were killed. World Wars One, World War Two, the Korean War, Vietnam, the war on terrorism that has cropped up over the last few decades, all of this just since Christ was born. So yeah, if peace in the world is the message of Christmas, if peace in the world is the message of the gospel, then guys, we've got to conclude God blew it, God failed, because there is no peace in this world. Now, that's really not the message of Christmas, and this is what we've got to understand, is that God never sent His Son into the world to bring peace into the world. Let me show you. In Luke chapter 12, verse 51, here's what Jesus said. He says, Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, He said, I tell you, but division. What? What? He said to the disciples, do you, do you guys honestly believe that I have come here to bring about peace on earth? He said, I didn't come for that reason. He said, I came instead to bring division among people. Man, that's not the Christmas story we celebrate. That's not the Christmas story we've heard and been taught all of our lives. But listen, it gets even worse. Listen to this. Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 36, it says this. 
Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. What is he talking about? You know, we've always celebrated Christmas with the idea of peace on earth in hopes that somewhere in the future, as we come together to celebrate this time of year, that wars can be put aside and men can get along and there'll be peace and goodwill toward everybody and they'll be just hunky-dory. And there's Jesus saying, no, I didn't come for that reason. I didn't come to bring peace on earth. I came, and here's my expectation, is that there's going to be division. And families are going to be torn apart. Fathers and sons will be at war with each other. Hostility within families. Why? Why? He said, because the true gospel, if it's understood... Always causes division. It always causes division within families, within countries, among nations of people. It always divides. I don't think God planned it that way, but I, He's simply acknowledging the fact that if you understand the gospel, it's not going to bring peace in and of itself among man or men in general, nations. But in, 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 in reality, it's going to divide people. Now, why? See, this is the question. Why is it that this message of Christmas and this coming of a Savior and this birth of this baby in a manger, why is it that God acknowledges the fact that it's going to divide people? Why are people so hostile toward Christianity? Why are those they so determined to get rid of Christianity with the expectation of having peace in this world. What is it about Christianity that causes the problem? What is it? Let me give you one word, and it kind of sums the problem up, and that is this. Exclusivity. Exclusivity. Because you see... Christianity is different from all other religion in this sense, that it excludes people. It's very clear that this is the way and this is not. Jesus is the way to heaven and all this other, now they're not. And see, this is what drives people crazy because it excludes people from being accepted by God. And it's probably, and I don't know offhand, I'm probably talking out of turn here, but it seems like if you were to compare all the other major religions to Christianity, it seems like all of the others in some way provide man a way to reach God on his own, and Christianity doesn't. It's the difference between them. Listen to what Jesus said in this passage, John 14:6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, guys, understand this passage. Most of you do, but maybe some don't. Jesus made no bones about it. Here's what he said. He said, if you want to get to the Father, he said, here's how you get to the Father. It's through me. I didn't come to bring peace to the world. That's not my point. 
He said, I came to provide a sacrifice. I came to provide an offering myself, dying in your place for your sins. And it is the only way to get to the Father. So if you believe something different from that, then you are lost and on your way to hell. And this is the only way to get to the Father is through me. There is no other way. And that drives people up a wall. Now here's the the reason why it drives them up a wall. Man wants to define God the way he wants to. I want to define God as whatever I want him to be, whatever makes me comfortable. So man has has a real propensity toward this. And so here's what mankind and, and, and individuals want to do. I want a God this fair, and you know from Scripture God isn't fair. We've talked about that before. He's always just, but he's not fair the way we define fairness. I want a God that's not strict. He doesn't make any demands. He doesn't want anything of me. He just leaves me alone. Well, that's not the God we know in the Bible. And I want a God that offers options. In other words, if a Buddhist wants to get to God his own way through whatever he deems appropriate, then, hey, look, that ought to be accepted. That ought to be Believe that ought to be as true as any other person's religion. And if a Muslim wants to get to God his own way and through whatever means he deems necessary or good for him, then accept it and, and that should be accepted. And here you Christians come along and you say, no, 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 you're going to hell because this is the way. And we're not going to put up with that. We don't like it. And see, the Bible just blows that theory all to pieces. The Bible comes along and says this. And then we as Christians, now listen to me, because we as Christians are accused of things like, listen, hate speech. Hate speech. If you tell a person that they are not accepted by God because they are lost, because they are unbelievers, and you say that only this select little group over here who put their faith in Jesus Christ are really accepted by God, then you are perpetuating hate. That's hate speech. I don't know what it is. It seems like more and more in this world that we live in, it seems like everybody wants things to always be equal to all people. And that there aren't any distinctions, there aren't any rights and wrongs, there aren't you know, any differences, that everybody is the same and ought to be treated the same and ought to be accepted the same by God. And the message of Christmas is that God sent a Savior to save us from our sins, and all who believe Him and accept Him are saved, and all who don't aren't. And the world rejects it, the world gets mad at it, the world accuses you and me as Christians of hating. And And let me tell you this, it is only going to get worse as time goes on. It is not going to get better. And you mark my words, you get closer to the end times, and you're going to be a marked man or a marked woman because you're in a world of, uh, I don't even know a term to put on it, where just anything goes, it doesn't matter. Whatever I think is true, it's my reality. It may not be your reality, but you have no right to attack it. And every time you tell somebody that Jesus loves them and Jesus died on the cross for them and if they will put their faith in Him, that He will save their souls from hell, every time you say that, you are going to be rejected and accused of being someone who is perpetuating hatred. And that's not true. But you see, the world doesn't understand that. How could they be so blind? 
How could the world be so blind to what the real message of Christmas is, that the sacrifice was born into the world? Oh, what happened? Well, I think John sums it up better than anybody. And in John chapter 3, verse 19, here's what it says. John says, this is the verdict, or this is the result, or what we've concluded. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. John says, listen, Jesus came into the world, the light of the world, but mankind rejected the light because they preferred darkness because their deeds were evil. They didn't want a Savior. They didn't need saving, you see. They didn't even like the idea of it. We're happy where we are. And so they rejected it. And that's been the problem all along. So let's go back for a moment and ask ourselves this question. What is it that God is talking about when He this Christmas story unfolds? For example, the passage in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, where it asks this, or the, the angels are proclaiming, this and they make this statement. What is it that this peace means? What are they referring to? Let me read it to you because I'm going to read it out of three different translations because there's a little bit of a translation issue here that you need to understand. First, I want to read it out of the King James. This is where most of us have learned this verse. This is where we have heard it in Christmas carols and, and so forth. It says this, the angels appear and here's what they say. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. That's what they proclaimed, see? And this is where mankind somehow has gotten off target because they're thinking that Jesus came to bring peace to the world because this, that's what the angels say. But there's a problem here, and as time went on after King James Version was translated, having been translated from the Greek and also the Latin there's some problems, and some more modern translations came along, and based on different manuscripts and things that they have uh, come across since since that time. Let me read you what the New American Standard uh, translation says. Here's what the New American Standard says. It reads the verse this way: "Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom He is pleased." Now that's quite different. But it is a more accurate translation. Because now he's not saying peace to everybody on earth. He's saying, I bring peace to those with whom I'm pleased. Well, who are they? The one who believes. The one who accepts me. I've come to bring him peace. If Without me, you're not going to have it. Don't think I've come to offer it to people who reject me. Because they will not accept it. They will not experience it. Let me read you the NIV translation. Here's what the NIV says. Basically the same thing. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Basically the same as the New American Standard. Who does his favor rest upon? Well, the believer. You see, the angel said, look, you, you shepherds you need to go and proclaim this, that everybody who accepts by faith, the sacrifice, the birth here of this Savior, then they're going to understand and experience peace. Not everybody else. Not nations. Because it just isn't going to happen without Him. So, yeah, the message of Christmas is peace to those who believe. 
but not to the rest of the world. See, this seems to be the theme throughout the, all of the Bible. The theme is the, throughout Scripture is that mankind has peace with God. You see, Jesus came and he died on the cross and he paid for your sins and God says to you and me that when we put our faith in that, that you and I, God and me, now are at peace. God's not mad at me anymore. You know, I look back at my life and and even since becoming a Christian, I've given God lots to be mad at. You know, I've given him lots of reasons to be angry with me. God says, I'm not mad at you, Dave. I'm not mad at you and you and you. Anybody that's put their faith in me, I'm not angry at you anymore because the blood of my son covered all your sins and we're okay between us, but not the rest of the world. The Bible says the wrath of God still remains on them. But not only that, Dave, let me tell you what else. You have peace with me, and you're going to have peace on the inside, in your heart and in your soul. You're going to have peace and experience that, and you're going to be able to experience peace between you and other people that have made you angry or hurt you or people that you've become mad at over the years, through my Holy Spirit, you're going to have peace with them as well. So yeah, I'm going to pour peace out all over you, brother. Everybody that puts their faith in me is going to experience peace. That's my promise to you. That's the Christmas message. That because Jesus came, you can have peace with God now and with other people. And peace within yourself that's never been there before. But please don't confuse the peace that's being offered with meaning that everybody in the world now can experience peace only because Jesus came. Because they're not. My wrath still remains on them. Let me show you a couple of scriptures because this theme of peace for the believer runs throughout the scripture. Romans chapter 5 verse 1, for example. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you became justified by faith. God looks at you and He says, I don't see you as a sinner anymore. You are declared righteous. You are justified in my sight. And we've talked about this before. It doesn't mean that I I live perfect. I'm not. But God says, I don't look at your sin anymore and condemn you because you're mine now. And we have peace. Peace with God. How many people in the world turn to drink and in drugs and commit suicide because they don't have the peace in here? And when you understand that God took you a sinner and washed away everything that you've ever done wrong and forgave you for past, present, and future sins. You are clean before God. You are justified. And God loves you. My gosh, it changes everything. Here's another one. Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. And it's picking up in the middle of a sentence here with verse 20. It says, And through Him, Christ... God chose to reconcile to Himself 
all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. In other words, it's saying that through Christ and the blood that was shed on the cross, that God the Father has now made peace with everything that made Him angry before in your life. That you and I have been brought near to Him and there's peace between us and God the Father. All through the Scripture it tells us this. Not only that, it brings peace between people too. Listen to this. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, For He Himself, talking about Jesus, He Himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Now the two groups in this particular context are Jews and Gentiles. He said the Jews and the Gentiles have been at odds for centuries until Jesus came along and they both individually put their faith in Christ, became part of the same family, and God has removed the hostility between them. If you want love in the world, then it's through Jesus Christ. If you want peace in this world, it's through Him because every person who puts their faith in Jesus Christ can live in peace with other people. It's it's just I don't know what how to explain it except it's a byproduct of of our being saved and our being forgiven. It's a byproduct of the Spirit of God living in you. That all of a sudden you have within you now the capacity to let things go and to overlook things and to forgive people. You never had that before. And so yeah, my faith that sort of quells a lot of hostilities that that we have within our, our hearts. But that's all part of it. I want to leave you with three, uh, three lessons, three things, three truths that come out of this, this idea, this topic. And here they are. So listen very carefully. Number one, this is something I want you to take from this, is that the gospel of Christ will offend people. It just does. If you think that it doesn't, you're, you're being foolish. You need to expect this to happen. Not because you have been a, a foolish person in the way you've presented it. Don't go out looking for trouble. But what I'm telling you is this. You need to understand that the message of Christmas is division. That when you proclaim that to somebody, it divides people. It makes people angry. But that's okay. But don't you ever compromise it. Don't you ever water it down. Don't you ever change it. Don't go along just to get along, okay? Don't say to yourself, well, I'll back away from sharing my faith with that person because I don't want to cause any trouble. It's going to cause trouble by its very nature. That's what it does. Proclaim it anyway. And you can do that with a loving demeanor, with all the love you can muster up, and with the Spirit of God guiding you to say to somebody, I love you. And so does God. He loves you. But without Him, you are lost. And until you put your faith in Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross for you, then you are at odds with God. And the wrath of God remains on you. And if you die in this condition of unbelief, I'm sorry, my friend, but you are lost. And you will never see God. Don't ever back down from that message. You let the chips fall where they may. 
Because the message of, of Christmas is not making peace with people. The message of Christmas is proclaiming the message of grace and the gospel of Christ and letting the chips fall where they are because it's not your problem. You can't save anybody. So expect the division. Expect the hostility. It's going to come. Number two is this. Try to live in peace with everyone. For you and me, this is important. God puts you and me in this world as beacons of light. And he says to us, go out and let the light shine on people so that they see me in you. And that they are curious and hungry to see that. And that that light draws them. And so you and I need to live in peace. We need to make every effort to do that. Listen to this verse. Paul says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If it is possible, as long as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. He said, if it's possible, now, you know what he's saying? There's sometimes it's just not. There are going to be some people that hate you regardless. That's okay. They hated the Lord too. But he said, as much as it is possible, as much as it depends on you, he said, live at peace with everyone. You know what that's going to take? Here's what it's going to require for that to happen. There will be people who hurt you and God says to you, you're going to have to forgive them. I don't want to forgive them. But God says you do it anyway. You're my child. They're not. You forgive them. God says you're going to need to submit to some people that maybe you don't feel like submitting to. You're going to have to express some hum- humility here. You're going to have to reach out to them and care about them and want to help them and want to guide them. You're going to have to humble yourself here. If you want to live in peace with people, this is what I want you to do. I want you to be my Example, my witness. So, yeah, we need to love people that are unlovable. We've got to help people when we don't feel like it. We've got to be kind to people and show respect to people because every time we deal with another individual, we are showing who our Savior is. And we're showing the difference in us. You see, God says the message will divide people, but don't you do it. Don't you divide. And so many times the way in which we approach it causes problems unnecessarily. And so I want to encourage you to see it that way and to live with people in peace as much as you possibly can. And that's going to mean backing down, giving up some of your rights, letting things go and forgiving people because you understand they don't know any better, they're lost. But you do. You know better. And so live in peace with people as much as you possibly can. Here's the third and final thing that I want to share with you. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't really know Christ yourself. I want to share this with you. Number three is that peace can be yours if you want it. This peace that we've talked about can be yours if you want it. I want to read you this verse and we're going to conclude with this verse. Acts chapter 13, verse 39. It says, Through him... Everyone who believes is set free from every sin. A justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Now this is a beautiful verse. And please let me, just give me a moment to explain it, okay? He's saying here that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are justified, declared righteous, forgiven. Of what? 
every sin. Every sin. He says, but here's the difference. The law of Moses, the commandments of God, but people keep referring back to as kind of their default mechanism. If you want to get to heaven, just be a good person. Just obey God. Do what He says. God says, no. The Bible says, no. You could never have forgiveness like that. But when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're forgiven for everything that the law of Moses could never give you. You know, we look at our lives and some of us have lied and cheated and stolen and uh, become addicted to things, been immoral, murder. This could go on and on. In every one of the commandments of Moses, man, we've broken. And God said, well, here's the good news. Oh, I'll forgive you. I'll forgive you. How much of it, Lord? All of it. All of it. But it's not by the way you think it is. It's by faith. See, I sent that baby, my son, in human form to earth. And he grew and he lived a perfect life and he went to the cross and he died in your place. And all of my wrath that I had toward you I poured it out on him. And they beat him and they tortured him and they hung him him on a cross shamefully and he died there. And I brought him back to life. And he made the payment for you. He was your substitute. And everyone who believes is set free from every sin. And this is a forgiveness or a justification that you can't get any other way. Not by being good. Not by changing your ways. Not by making promises. It's by faith. That's a good message. That's a glorious truth. And God says once you understand it and turn to me in faith and believe that and accept it, it's just that simple. He said, we're okay. We're at peace. And now you can be at peace with the rest of the world too. Those parents that abused you, you can be at peace with them too. That husband that beat you, you can be at peace with him now. All of the people that have taken advantage of you and all the things that have hurt you throughout your life, I will give you peace now. Now you can have it. You couldn't have it before, but now you can. Why? Because the message of Christmas is that Jesus Christ came and peace is offered to everyone that accepts Him. Not the rest of the world. Only you. Will you believe it? See, that's what it comes down to. Will you believe it? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment. If you're here this morning and you have never understood this and never have chosen to put your faith in Christ for whatever reason, why don't you do it right here? What better time than at Christmas? You turn to God in faith. That's all it is, right there where you sit. Thank you, Father, for loving me that much. I believe it. I accept it. I stand by faith upon it. 
I want that peace. Right here today, why don't you just make that decision and trust Him. Leave all of your goodness and righteousness behind and say, Lord, I'm leaning wholly and completely on You. I'm not going to have you to come up here, but I do want to know who you are. I just want to ask you to raise your hand and put it back down and say, Pastor, I'm doing it. I'm trusting Him right here today. Never before have I understood this, but I want to trust Him right here. Anyone at all. For all of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ, you have within you the capacity, now listen to this, the capacity, the power to bring peace to the world. You're the instrument that God's going to use. It begins with your family. It begins with your neighborhood. It begins with people in church. It begins with whomever. That when you spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and let them see Him in you, they then have the potential of being at peace. You want to know how to bring about world peace? Through one person at a time coming to Christ. That's how world peace is going to be achieved, if ever. Go out and be a light. Go out and be a light, okay? Heavenly Father, as we bow here before You, Father, we are overcome with the reality that You have loved us more than we have ever imagined. Father, there's a lost and dying world out there that does not understand this. They don't understand what peace is, really. But Lord, we have the message and we have the power of Your Spirit. Now help us, Father. Help us to take the light out of here and into the world with every individual we come in contact with to recognize and to realize they're lost. And they're not going to accept this message, perhaps, right off the bat. They're going to need to see it in us first. But through your Holy Spirit working in them, someday maybe they'll come to Christ. But before that time, they may turn on us. They may reject us. They may call us names. Because the message divides. We know that. But God, give us boldness and give us courage to stand firm. And to never, ever try to change the message. But to be faithful to the truth. Lord, help us to be that people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.